2: talk is about
1: to begin hey 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 come on in
0: welcome back to a Tuesday Buckeye Talk from cleveland.com it's Dudley Murray, Nathan Baird and Stephen Means and we're going off a lot of what Ryan Day said on Monday we're going to cover seven banks we're going to cover potential offensive line movement we're going to cover what's the latest on the quarterback timeline we'll talk about some guys that Ryan Day mentioned when he was asked about leadership there's a lot of good stuff um, Nathan I said it to Ryan day when I asked my questions but we were sitting out on the indoor field of the Woody Hayes Athletic Center because uh, the SID staff for Ohio State's doing a good job of like trying to balance the requirements of everyone wearing a mask inside while also you know allowing us to do our jobs but keeping everybody distant. So they're setting up folding chairs. So we're not, we weren't in the team room today and we've done this a couple of times. We're out on the field and it's like indoors while you're outdoors, we're wearing masks, but like you can hear everybody. But I I just, I felt like sitting on a football field, talking about football, that's not theoretical football because they've had five days of practice. Monday was the fifth day. It's not on a Zoom, it's in person. Like I could feel the football being absorbed in my body like it was a very um, like it was a wave of football washing over me and I just was diving in the water. It just felt great. There was one question about NIL, but everything else was football related. I just thought it was a fun half an hour with Ryan Day where Nathan, I feel like we kind of got a lot of good, a bunch of good little tidbits about like what's up with the team.
2: Yeah, I thought it was fairly juicy and insightful for um, a, for a day where we didn't get anything like, you know, they didn't name the starting quarterback today. They didn't declare any other position battles over. But I did think we got some good insight into how they're approaching some things, whether that's the offensive line, whether that's how they are, you know, hearing some maybe some key people who are doing the kind of things that they Ohio State needs them to do at this stage of their career. Just those sort of things, I think, again, we, we only see a little brief glimpses. I'm glad we get them, but I thought today was a a day where Ryan Day um, led us behind the curtain a little bit on a couple of things. All
0: right, so let's actually start with the quarterbacks, and then we'll get into the offensive line stuff, which is the newsiest stuff. The, the Seven Banks deal is that he has not been at practice the last couple of days with a something injury-related And it's more about like not what is, but what would be or could be if for some reason this injury thing, which we have no indication right now, will take a a long time. But if it would, what would it mean for them? But I want to talk about the quarterbacks because. Steven, Ryan Day was talking kind of a lot about the process again of like the, the process of the decision making and how they're going about it and. I think somebody asked a good question sort of about putting them under pressure situations, right, and trying to figure out some things about them. Might have been Tony Gerdeman from Buckeye Scoop. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Day was saying like, well, you know, ask them like I'm on them in practice all the time, screaming at them, getting on them, trying and that, trying to create the situations where the game will be easy in comparison, but that it's Ryan day. And listen, like urban Meyer, love that kind of stuff, apply so much pressure and practice that the game feels easy. But Ryan day, I thought really sort of opened a window a little bit, Stephen, of like how he's doing this. And then I asked him about it. I said, is there a little bit of a, of a good cop, bad cop stuff going on? Cause it felt like Ryan day was almost laughing about how much he yells at the quarterbacks. In practice, and then to me, it's like okay. Well, then maybe like Ryan's on him. Then Corey takes him back in the room, and it's like it's okay, it's okay, right? And that that is how you not tear down the quarterbacks, but you apply pressure and then you build them back up in the room, and you apply pressure and you build them back up. What, what did you think of what you learned, just sort of about how Ryan Day and this coaching staff might be going about? the quarterback competition. Cause I mean, you know, like who's ahead. Nobody's going to tell us that, but I I thought we got a little insight
1: about how they're doing it. I thought that in a world where I think all three of us feel like Corey Dennis is uh, underqualified for his job. This was the first day where it made sense why you would want a young guy to be your quote unquote quarterbacks coach, because you do kind of need somebody when you just spent the last two and a half hours on a practice field, getting your butt chewed out, the head coach because he's doing to be that much harder on quarterbacks because that's his trade and it's the position he played. You need somebody who will listen when you need to maybe blow, blow off some steam because you just got yelled at for two and a half hours. And so I do understand that the, the pressure cooker Ryan Day is going to put him under because let's be quite frank about this, either he's going to do it or we're going to do it and fans are going to do it. So if you're already used to it because you get it every single day in practice and it's ten times worse than anything you can see out here – I mean, you can probably handle anything once you actually start playing football. And then you find out also who can actually handle being Ohio State starting quarterback, because that does mean something.
0: I thought it was interesting, Nathan. Ryan Day, in the course of explaining being a quarterback at Ohio State, said the expectation here is Heisman Trophy National Championship first round draft pick. And it was just like, now I don't think he said like I don't think he meant win the Heisman Trophy, win the national championship be a first round draft pick that like, if you don't do all three of those things, like you failed or something, right. But like the idea that those, all three of those things are omnipresent, right. If you're a quarterback at Ohio state, those three things are in the room with you. There's there's five quarterbacks in that room right now. Quinn yours will be six and Corey Dennis. And then also sitting in there are those three things. Heisman national championship, first round pick. It's just laying it out, brother. Like it is like, it's just like, and it's not new, but I like hearing Ryan Day talk about this stuff. And Justin Fields, I mean, Justin Fields certainly did not come in as a finished product, but Justin Fields came to Ohio state with a year of college football under his belt. And he was the number two recruit in the country. So Justin, I think, very much new that. And he was like a big time transfer that everybody in the country wanted. And he was coming here to like basically take over that Ohio state quarterback room to play for a new head coach. Justin had no illusion about what was happening here, but for Ryan to be spelling this out. And clearly if he's spelling it out to us, he's spelling it out to them. He is spelling this out. Even though yes, they're highly rated recruits, but that that's what he's putting on them every day I think when Ryan Day talks about, like he has said things, it's like, it's not about how you throw it, right? It's about leading. It's about making the routine plays, not making mistakes. I think it's about living. This clarifies some stuff for me. It's about living with those three things. Beside you, Heisman Trophy, National Championship, first-round pick. They're in the room with you every day. And so, yeah, you might be able to go out and sling a little bit, but if you can't live with that, you can't play here because they're not going to shy away from that. I just. I don't know, Nathan, he had like two or three quarterback answers today that just I felt like cracked open the window on like how Ryan Day views this stuff now. And it's not new, but it's confirming and it's more specific to me.
2: Yeah, there was someone else that I spoke to recently who I I got the indication that Ryan Day, not in a manipulative way, but just in a coaching way, had been pushing these guys mentally was trying to find a way to see if he could rattle them mentally i think i mean that uh, and and i I didn't get specifics about this but it came as a conversation about like how he's testing these guys like like who will get spooked who will who will fold under the pressure because that is at the end of the day you can watch these things through practice you can see who has good form you can see who knows how to execute the playbook i think that's the one thing that no matter what you bring out them in practice you've got to find another way to replicate that right because you can't that isn't going to happen organically through practice i think you've got to find a way to try to get under guy's skin and then see what happens you've got to have that data point in your pocket in your in your ledger when you're deciding on this final decision
1: It's who has it, whatever that it factor is. Well, no, I
0: I, see. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because I don't know like if JT Barrett had the it factor. But I think you could hit JT Barrett with an expectation stick a thousand times and he wouldn't flinch. But I don't think but like Troy had it. I don't know if JT
1: had it. I don't think it's it. Go ahead. I don't think that's how I would describe it. I I mean, the, the it can for, for JT, it was. I mean, JT didn't really get rattled a lot. That's what the it factor is more. I mean, the talent, your talent level is your talent level. That's what it is. But the, the it factor is more can you do it under pressure? Can you uh, do you get rattled in the moment? That's what I mean when I say, do you have the it factor? Because everybody's skill set's going to be different as they come into this building.
0: All right, let's not use it factor anymore. If people use it, it's like, what does it factor mean? Uh, Like, that's not what it factor is to me. It factor to me is like, you have a presence about you, like you walk in the room and you've got an it factor. If you're telling me that like, like it it is not necessarily stability to me. I think er, like Ryan Day is trying to figure out, and as much as he has talked about like failure, like the idea that he, he said this again Monday, a bad practice doesn't make you a bad player. A bad day doesn't make you a bad player. You have to fail. You have to fail. Nathan, he said things like that a couple of times. He wants guys to fail right now because they're going to fail in what matters. And so he wants them to fail and he's forced it. I think he's forcing them to fail. He's putting them in situations to fail because he wants to see what happens next. And that's not leadership. And that's not even like, making the routine play. It's just like, it's not cracking. It's not cracking. And I think there's could be somebody who like on the outside seems like they have the it factor. And as soon as they get in, you know, to tough situations, they fall apart. And there could be just like the little engine that could, that's chugging along. It's like, doesn't seem that impressive, but man, that guy is the same every day. Win or lose, interception or touchdown. I think that's what he's looking for And I just I like the idea that he is clearly probing for that. And Nathan, if he said, okay, by the end of this week is sort of maybe when we thought, right? End of this week, beginning of next week is like, okay, it feels like quarterback time. And he sort of said like quarterback decision time. And he sort of said, yeah, maybe another week though, that they might be two weeks away from a decision. And I think Nathan is because he's continuing that process. And if he doesn't have an answer to, Who can handle failure? Who's not going to crack? He's not going to announce a quarterback. It's pressure
2: testing. It's just like any other process where you're trying to come out with an end result. um, You're pressure testing it. It's like, you know, we we make all these analogies about – automobiles when it comes to athletes and it's like well you want to you know who's a Porsche and who's a Corvette and who who's a like you know any of those cars you don't are you going to buy any of those cars if you think at no point in the process somebody didn't drive it into a wall and find out what happens like that's what he's doing right now I think you've got to do that because you've got to again and with these guys there's even less data with these guys there is even less practice data from the past year than there would have been for the guys who are red shirts there. So there's less, you know, inter squad scrimmage things like that, where you could try that just, you know, less um, and certainly no competitive data. I mean, the guys didn't do that really when they got in the games last year. So you've got to find a way to conjure that and, and put them through that because doing it, you know, halftime of the Minnesota game is probably too late. You've got to find a way to, to, and it's not going to be perfect. Cause in some ways you can't completely rep, Replicate what it's like when another team is bringing completely unexpected things that you've never seen before, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you've got to find a way to 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 um, try to replicate that because, again, you you've you don't know what these guys are going to do the first time they get smacked in the mouth. You've got to find a way to, to get there first.
0: They have talked about like the data that they're keeping. During practices, Urban was very big on that. Urban was like, you know, when he had quarterback battles, he was like, we're tracking every throw. We're keeping all the data and like, we're going to go by the numbers. Just like, you know, I, I, I don't, I think, I don't know if people read it, but all the Jacksonville writers, I read it on ESPN.com. I'm sure the other Jacksonville Jaguars writers wrote it recently, but they were having like winner loser day at Jaguars camp. And Fernando Lovo, who was here at Ohio State, was on the mic saying, winner, loser. And like, I, in my dream, I'll wake up sometimes and I'm hearing winner, loser day, winner, loser day, because we know what that sounds like at Ohio State. And that Urban was saying, like, they track everything you do. You go head to head with somebody in this drill and that drill and that they're keeping tracks of the winners and the losers. He said that might influence like who they cut. That, like, I'm not making like um, subjective decisions. I'm going to be like, okay, listen, man, this guy went 31 and 19 in winner loser drills, and this other guy went 22 and 30. And so we're keeping the 31 and 19 guy. It's sa- as much as they're keeping data in this quarterback competition, Steven. This sounds like to me, I don't know how you data eyes not crack I don't know how you data eyes bouncing back from a bad day. Cause I guess you can say, well, yesterday, this person threw three interceptions the next day, they threw zero in practice. But this feels more like to me that Ryan day is just like observing these guys in a lab, but it's not going to be a scientific decision. There's going to be some art to this. There's going to be some gut feeling of like, this guy feels like he can handle it. That, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading that totally wrong. But it feels like that's Ryan Day in a short amount of time. Well, it's not that short. He had all spring years now. He's trying to get a handle for how these guys handle success and failure on a football field. And that is... Going to be more about how Ryan Day feels about it than well, someone had a seventy-one percent completion percentage in practice, and someone else had a sixty-six. Do you agree with that, or do you think no, no, no? There's a way that you can try to crack these guys and then still go by the data.
1: No, no, I, I agree with you. I think you can't. There's no number for telling you, okay, this guy just threw a pick six. You know, let's see what happens the next time we call this exact same play and want to make the exact same read and just make a better throw. Is he hesitant on the throw? Or does he, does he throw it as if he didn't just throw a pick six and he's just throwing it like he's rolling? What happens then? That's what, When you talk about how you bounce back from failure, that's basically the question there is, you just did something very wrong and it went left completely, the worst possible thing that could have happened. Are you going to go again? Are you going to keep going and keep going and keep going? Or are you now hesitant to make that throw? Because in the back of your mind, you're thinking, man, I threw an interception the last time I did that and I don't want to do it again.
0: So this happens on this podcast and it is what it is. But there are times when I feel like I have a revelation that is only catching up to what everybody else already realized. And so I feel like that might be happening here. But Nathan, after today, I feel like I have a much better handle on how Ohio State's going about this. It doesn't mean I know who the quarterback's going to be, but I feel like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I get it. I get about how how they're trying to find a quarterback, what they're looking for what everybody's role in the process is. So I feel, and it's not only because I absorbed football from my folding chair up through my butt, Buckeye talk, absorbing football through my butt. Do you guys, when you get back from practice after the, uh, the turf field, do you have all the tiny black rubber pellets in your shoe every day? I just
2: day? found one on my laptop. I was just flicking it off.
0: It's amazing. Everybody like you guys listening know that the the they use old like ground up tires that are that are in uh, the turf field, and so it's like I mean they're not even this like the size of like a pinhead, and every day I have thirty pinhead size pieces of rubber in each of my shoes, and I dump them out all over my house. So it's not only that I have rubber in my shoes; it's that I I feel like I have a better sense of it. Is was it as? Did you have a lightning bolt? Did you have an, like a light bulb went off over your head today, Nathan? Or were you just, no, Doug, yeah, this is what this deal has been the whole time. What are you talking about? Or did you feel like you learned something about the process today?
2: Like I said, I'd had that conversation recently that had been sort of in the back of my mind. Um, and it's one of those things where it's hard to get, um, it's hard to get like insight into what that means. Because now Ryan Day is saying that, but what does that mean? Does that mean he like just... Calls him and taunts him. Does it mean that he like does things in front of the whole team? What, what I don't know exactly the details of what what exactly that means. He and said he like, yells at him. He said it
1: means you throw an interception or you make a bad read, and he's probably throwing a temper tantrum so everybody can see you messed up.
2: Right. And because, and I think you, again, I think you have to do that because the consequences of a bad play, even in a, even in a competition like this, all of them are occasionally making bad plays. So I think you have to find a way to ratchet up the consequences of a bad throw or an interception in practice. It can't just be that that happened. It has to be that happened. And I got my butt chewed. It happens to be that that and I got laid into by the head coach in front of everybody. Like and then see what happens on the next play. That's always been from the start of this thing. That's what Ryan Day has come back to. It's not what happens there. It's what happens on the next play, because that's the thing that he, that's the biggest unknown for him. I think still he knows these guys have quarterback talent. I think you could put any three of these guys out there in Ohio State can win football games. But which one is going to have the most a positive response to the next play after they
0: get squashed. So so let me ask this, and then we'll move on to the offensive line. Because really, I mean, this is great. It's a psychology experiment on how you run a quarterback competition. The listeners want to know who's going to be the quarterback. Does this, as I understand this, again, this podcast is just about me understanding the team I cover. How does this affect who we think it might be? Because if you watch and you say, man, CJ just looks right. CJ, the ball jumps out of his hand. He's, he can throw. He can run. He's just got it. Like, why would it not be CJ? But if the answer, and I'm only saying this because CJ is the front runner in every way that we could imagine it based off the spring game, based off sort of what we thought in recruiting based off the order they take reps right now. But Nathan, does this crack the door on like, well, you know what? Like Ryan Day says, it's Kyle McCord because Kyle McCord was absolutely unflappable. Every minute, he throws it fine. He runs it fine. He is ready to handle this. I don't care how old he is. I don't care how much he's played or not played. I trust him in the fire that something is going to go wrong with our quarterback. And I know he can handle it because I've been screaming at him and no, no, offense to the other guys. And I'm only saying this because if it's CJ, well, then it's CJ for a million reasons, right? I'm just wondering, does this crack the door on not the front runner? Because maybe we can't see what the actual evaluation is. And if you're nodding, is this why you've, probably cracked the door more on Kyle than either Stephen or I have this whole way because there's this intangible thing that only Ryan Day knows. Only Ryan Day knows because he's the only one having the individual conversations with quarterbacks. Ryan Day, I'm sure, is talking with them as a group. I'm sure he's talking with them individually. I'm sure he's talking to other coaches about what they've talked to with them about stuff he's going to have more information than anybody. And so we can't know what the ultimate decision is going to be because so much, so much of it, we can't see.
2: Yeah. The, the, there's a fact that part of it is all just contained in Ryan Day's head. And, and also the fact that when we see certain things, such as when CJ Stroud's taking snaps uh, relative to when the other guys take snaps, etc., that it, it's brief snapshots. We don't see the whole picture. So it's always kind of keeping that in mind. And I think, how much it should affect how you look at this, how you're handicapping this decision kind of comes down to how much you believe the things that Ryan day does say out loud. And I think right now it's specifically a, that um, this competition is still really close and they aren't, they haven't made a decision or that B um, and and also B that these things, when you see things like that, that CJ Stroud is, you know, um, first into the spring game and, uh, first to take, uh, first to take um, all, all the sna- all the reps through all these lines and stuff like that. That that doesn't mean anything because it either means that C.J. Stroud, ha- that this pressure testing is happening and that C.J. Stroud is passing it better or whatever. So that's why he's out front and that that does mean something. Or that maybe the fact that cord is going second in a lot of these things is part of the pressure testing that Ryan Day is trying to use to make the decision.
0: And I am not trying to, and I want to ask you about CJ Stroud, Stephen, I, but I'm, I'm not trying to imply that like CJ Stroud can't handle the pressure. It's just like, does any of this change our mind on the front runner? Because CJ Stroud, as you have said many times, Stephen, gets the last minute invite to the elite 11 sets the world on fire at elite 11 takes advantage of every opportunity that he has ever had. And now this is the next opportunity. And so why would you think CJ Stroud's going to crack now? This guy's never cracked before, right? So like maybe all this is doing is reconfirming CJ Stroud's status as the front runner, but that it's not because the ball jumps out of his hand. It's because Ryan Day has put him in every situation and CJ Stroud has responded every single time. I just want to make sure it doesn't sound like I'm trying to find reasons for it not to be C.J. Stroud, my main point is that maybe just we don't know what we don't know because this battle really is in Ryan Day's heart, head, and gut, and I know you, you've you often said that about C.J., that what he did at the Elite 11, what more of a pressure cooker could a high, an uncommitted high school quarterback have than, hey, you're a last-minute invite, show us what you got.
1: This may be overthinking it, and obviously I still think C.J. is going to be a starter, but in the name of putting people in uncomfortable positions, and I wrote about this. This is new territory for CJ, being a front runner. So maybe part of this with Ryan Day is all right, you're in front. Let's see if you get lazy. You know, it's 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 easy to work your butt off when you're you're trailing everybody and you're the underdog, the way he's always kind of viewed himself. You know, it's easy to do but once you're out in front and you're the top dog, that's hard to hold on to. So now with that's the mind game with CJ is all right, you're in front. Let's see if you get lazy or not and let somebody catch you. While with Kyle McCord and Jack Miller, who have maybe always kind of been viewed as a top dog before obviously Jack Miller had some injuries, they're playing from behind a little bit. But then also some of these mind games might be why Kyle McCord hasn't lost his black stripe yet, because that matters a little bit. This is the start. Uh, let's just, what if Kyle McCourt would have been the first player to lose his black stripe back in the spring? How would that have changed our maybe opinions on where he was in this quarterback battle if he had lost it in the spring? It's like, look how quickly he got in here and he lost his black stripe and he's actually in the battle now. But right now, he's, he's still got that thing on. And there are three, four, five guys deep into that freshman class of people who have lost their black stripe.
0: It's interesting. It's, it's, it's all this stuff. and It's just a reminder for everybody. It's like all this motivational stuff they do that they talk about, it's none of it's real. It's like, oh, this guy earned it. It's like, well, okay, we wanted this guy to get his black stripe off. You know, he earned it, but also he needed a boost. We needed a yeah. bump at that position group, whatever. Like the guy, like it's just, it's, it's, they do this all for a reason. Yes, you earn it, but that's not the only thing that goes into it. So I, I, am, uh, I am intrigued, but also the idea of, and again, we're going to talk about this with the offensive line. You know, sometimes when you have uncertainty, you, you want to we've talked a lot about, hey, you got to figure out who your quarterback is. But sometimes if, if nobody has done it before, the uncertainty can maybe work in your favor because it is a pressure. Like there's no everybody shows up every day knowing their job is on the line. And once you name a guy, of course, well, every day you can, I, I get it. But like once you're a starter, most of the time guys are starters. Maybe he wants it to go an extra week because, yeah, you got to get the first team reps and you got to get ready for game week. But maybe the best thing for them is to not name a starting quarterback. Like, what's the hurry? We still want to see, even if he knows who it's going to be, he still wants to put that guy under pressure. What more pressure is there than nobody's named the starter yet? So as much as it's like, I think we're under the impression most of the time I have been, hey, they better figure out this quarterback. It's like, okay, well, maybe it helps the eventual starter to not be named the starter. Very soon, because it's another day in the Ryan Day pressure cooker, which is an interesting place to be. All right. We got to talk about the offensive line. We got to talk about seven banks and some other stuff. We'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. 614 350 3315. Thanks to everyone who has joined the tech subscription service recently. Thanks to everyone who has been along for the ride from the very beginning again if you follow along if you're ever on twitter you'll find like more outlets not even just in our company that are trying out tech subscription things that's because you guys for real this is like a thing that like companies are all over the place are starting to use and we started it we weren't the first but we were the first expansion of it and if it had failed miserably at cleveland.com and I've told you guys once, and I'll tell you again, like the Ohio state tech subscription was the most successful right from the jump. The Browns tech subscription and insider service has really picked up a lot too. The, the, our Browns people do a tremendous job. I would direct you. If you care about the Browns at all, I would direct you to cleveland.com Browns. You can click on the blue banner to sign up there for the whole Browns insider package. But you guys our Ohio state state tech subscribers showed a new path in a a kind of a niche of journalism that a lot of other companies are now adopting and they can point to our Ohio state tech subscribers as a success story. And so you guys made that happen. So thanks to everybody who has done that. Uh, You've done a service, not just to us by keeping us employed, but you've helped the journalism world try to figure out like a new little wrinkle. So If you want to be part of that, we'd love to have you. We have great stuff pumping through there on a regular basis. 614-350-3315, 14-day free trial, four bucks a month after that. Nathan, offensive line is more interesting than we thought. And that is because it feels like they know who four of the starters are going to be but they aren't sure where those four starters are because they don't know who the fifth starter is. And they are now officially in the zone of searching, I think for that fifth starter, because I think it has become possibly apparent to them that the first most obvious option is not a hundred percent for sure going to work. And it feels like that first most obvious option was if Harry Miller's your center, Paris Johnson's your right guard and Thayer Munford and Nicholas Petit for your tackles that Matthew Jones and Josh Fryer, are battling it out for the left guard spot. And it feels like they have moved beyond that. And I think we would have thought the next move is is Luke Whipple, your center, and Harry Miller goes back to left guard like it was last year. But that is not what we discussed on Monday. Nathan, where are they on the offensive line? And how intrigued are you by
1: it?
2: Well, I would say, I mean, we can go back to the spring when we were first wondering how this is going to shake out. I mean, you brought it up. I don't think you were the only person who brought it up. That doesn't it make, you know, what if they just go find the five best offensive linemen and that means that Theron Munford's a guard for his last year or Nicholas Fair is a guard for his last year or even DeWan Jones who has played some guard. Like maybe he's just the biggest guard of all time or whatever. Like, you know, the, like maybe that's worth pursuing. And we tried to ask about that in the spring and Ryan Day did not, he seemed pretty dismissive of it at the time. Like, yeah, why would you do that? You've got two potential All-American tackles. Like, there's not really any reason to go down that line. And I think maybe they part of that was just based in their confidence that the interior guys would develop. And I don't know if it if this is what we're hearing now is a is rumblings that came out of what we were talking about about the offensive line last week, which was that sort of push pull between Matthew Jones. And um, Josh Fryer at left guard, and whether they were using one to motivate the other and vice versa. And if, if there is part of that where they're just saying, well, we need to have a contingency if neither of them push them where we need to go. So I think this has made sense all along. And, and if you just find your five best offensive linemen, the only surprise in it is that it seemed like that was something they moved on from pretty quickly, and now it is resurfaced. And Ryan Day saying that, yes, they're moving guys in left to right, up, down, inside, out, just trying to find that mix of the five best guys. I think that might be the smartest thing to do, just find the five best offensive linemen and not worry about things like where they conventionally line up because I think he's right. There are some guys on that offensive line, and Thayer Munford might be one of them, who are probably not – If they might be tackles in the NFL, but they might, they're might they not necessarily left tackles in the NFL, and I think the, the, some versatility doesn't hurt them.
0: This, to be fair, what I was asking – I, and I did ask him about it a fair amount in the spring. I was asking about it in terms of if you have Orlando Pace Jr. ready to right. be a tackle in Paris Johnson, why don't you move one of the veteran guys inside and let the guy who's clearly going to be a tackle in 2022 start being a tackle now. And by the way, no offense to Thayer Munt for Nicholas petit Fair, He might be the best tackle on the roster. So, and a lot of times, I think it's the smartest move is move the veteran and let the young guy play the position he's used to playing. So it's like Thayer Munford could play tackle in his sleep right now. Paris Johnson's kind of always been a tackle. Let Paris Johnson be the tackle and move Thayer Munford inside. And that is not what they did at all. Right. They were like, Paris Johnson's our starting right guard and, and we're just not moving the veterans. The idea, Steven, that, that now what could maybe happen is they, Move a tackle because Dewan Jones is going to play tackle is very interesting to me. But I do understand the idea that, like, Dewan Jones is massive and is probably too big to be in every down guard. And so that forces your hand. And I get that. But, like, as much as I was curious about that in the spring, it was not for this reason. So, this really. Dewan Jones was a name that was asked like three or four times on Monday, and and Ryan Day said he has flashed through the first five practices, and that other offensive linemen are coming up to him and talking about how well Dewan Jones is playing. That it's Dewan Jones that might move Thayer Munford or Nicholas Petit Frere to guard instead of Paris Johnson is what
1: I did not expect, Stephen. No, because. I don't know how much of this is Dewan Jones flashing. I mean, I believe he's probably flashing. He's flashed sometimes when he was in 2019 and when he got on the field as well, especially in that Northwestern game. But how much of this is less about Dewan Jones and more about Josh Fryer, Matthew Jones, whoever else you want to throw in there, not claiming that left guard spot? Because if they'd have known that information in the spring, maybe they would have decided put Paris Johnson at left tackle then and moved there Mumford and Nicholas petit Frere on the, inter- on the interior. But at that time, they felt confident that either Matthew Jones or Josh Fryer or Luke Whipler or somebody on the interior was going to claim a spot. And they felt that confident up until last week. And then obviously today we talked to them and things have changed. So that probably played a role in it as well. But it also, I mean, takes me back to Donovan Jackson. And I wish he would have came here in the spring because that is probably the, your solution. Well, I don't know that in, in,
0: in, except in rare circumstances, a true freshman on the offensive line, I think, is the solution only when you clearly have a problem. Right. It's mm-hmm. never the I don't know that it's ever the first solution. And I talked about it a lot when Michael Jordan took over as a starter in 2016 and they admitted it over time that it was like, yeah, well, that's because they had some misses in recruiting and like they didn't have anybody else to do it. And all credit to Michael Jordan. He played well, but like that's not anybody's plan. It wasn't even the plan with Paris Johnson. Right. It was supposed to be Nicholas Petit frere the entire time. So, like, if, if, if Paris Johnson's not going to be a starter as a, as a true freshman, like, who is, right? So, um, I, I feel like that might be, like, the next one. Like, they might get there if this isn't it. But, like, to me, if you're thinking – you're probably thinking Jones, actually, probably first, right? And okay. then it's like, okay, well, now Friars flashed at times. That's, maybe you want Harry Miller ideally to be the center. All right, maybe it's Friar Jones. If it's not Fryer Jones, I still am a little unsure about why the next thing up, or maybe it is, is wouldn't be Whippler at center, Miller back to guard, but Dewan Jones is flashing. He's forcing this. But then I think like the fourth thing is Donovan Jackson. It's like, well, okay, fine, play the five star guard, Nathan. And I don't, I don't, I don't know that we need to spend much more time on this because on Tuesday we are scheduled to talk to the offensive lineman and to Greg Studrawa, and this is all we're going to talk about. So on the Wednesday podcast, we will talk about this more with much more information. So we are giving you guys a little glimpse about like what is happening. This is a possibility. But Nathan, just like if you had to guess based on the knowledge we have Monday, which is less than we'll have on Tuesday, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think this is just like, hey, moving stuff around, it's still pretty early in camp, we're testing stuff out, and we're going to wind up back at a spot where it's, Munford and Petit Frere at tackle and they are going to pick between Jones and Fryer? Or do you really think that this could be a solution? And one of the ideas, I guess, is like if Dewan Jones is the right tackle, maybe Petit Frere goes to left tackle and Thayer Munford's your left guard. And now your starting lineup is Petit Frere, Munford, Miller, Johnson, Jones. Man, that is not where we thought we were, but does that sound actually realistic to you potentially?
2: it is where we thought we were just with a different Jones and in a different place, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, right. I, I mean, it's, it's completely plausible to me. Like, I don't know why, if, if those are your five best offensive linemen, I don't know why you wouldn't do it.
0: Like, what's the drawback to doing that? I don't see a drawback to doing it. Well, I mean, one drawback based on how they talked about it in the spring is like, well, we have two of the best tackles in the country and now we're going to have, instead of having like two of the best tackles in the country and they're both returning in the same spots, we're taking one tackle and moving him to the other side, and we're playing a third-year guy who is really looked good in practice, but has never done it before. And those are now our two tackles for our young quarterback and our most reliable guy. We're now moving to guard, right? And and I, that, I, yeah. But I, so, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say there's no drawback or no downside to it.
2: That's that's fair. And I, and as I think it through, the one concern that I have without having seen this with my own eyes, is I believe that Dewan Jones can be a, a good offensive lineman at the Big Ten level and and could start for Ohio State at some point. I need to see though that he can protect on the off the edge, that he has that kind of quickness to protect off the edge the way that they need him to, especially with a first time starting quarterback who's a freshman. And
1: that's, that's still
2: that's yeah. still lingering out there for me. I believe I have no trouble believing uh Juan Jones can go out there and just be a dump trunk that rolls over people and creates some huge second-level opportunities for the running game. I need to see the, and he's big, so he's going to, that alone causes problems for a pass rusher, but I need to see that when he gets matched up with Kayvon Thibodeau, that he doesn't get just whooped from a speed standpoint.
1: The problem with this news is that it goes totally against what Craig Shadrawa was said in the spring about this. And you kind of alluded to it, Doug, you've got a young core. He thought about moving Paris and, and maybe, you know, just move it there inside and letting Paris just be a tackle this year, but you've got a young quarterback and you want to make sure he has as much protection as possible. So you make sure there are veterans in those spots. Well, by even – okay, even if Paris stays and you put DeJuan there, that's not a veteran in that spot. That's still a first-year starter who's kind of got limited experience as a any position, let alone as a starting right tackle, and you've got a young quarterback out there. So that takes away that security blanket that, that may stretch draw would not even think about doing it in the first place.
2: But I would actually – I'd argue the other side of it, that this may be them d- deciding that the security blanket has a hole in it and that if – that yes – that it's important to have good tackles but and i'm just making these numbers up if four out of every 10 times you're thinking that your left guard is uh out of place or doesn't know what's going on or is just getting beat then that's not much of a security blanket either i will say a lot of this started just on like um what do you say message board speculation and and whatever and i think sometimes that's very accurate and then sometimes i wonder if things don't get leaked for a reason and that this could be a message to those guys who may just end up playing left guard to try to get more out of them over the next 20 practices.
0: Well, no, but I think a lot of that, I mean, that stuff comes from like what people see at practice. Yeah. So, I mean, they clearly, they've clearly been experimenting in practice, which Ryan day confirmed today He said we're moving yes. guys from right side to left side We're moving outside guys inside. Like they are trying stuff. So that is for sure. And so once you start trying stuff, because again, When you try stuff, people say, oh, it's early in practice. Oh, you know, we're just trying stuff. It's like, oh, is that why Garrett Wilson's playing tight end? Oh, is that why you're, you know, is that why Taraja Mitchell is playing defensive end? It's like, no, because you know what those guys are. And you know, like, it's not, let's not pretend that like they're moving everybody on the team around the different spots so that everybody can play two positions. Like Zach Harrison, Zach Harrison, Zach Harrison is not playing linebacker. So you're doing this for a reason. So, and it's not, it's not March 30th. Like it's, that's fair, yeah. The, the, oh, yeah. the game is here in less than a month. So like, if you're doing this, it's because you actually think this might be what you do against Minnesota. So like, that's how up in the air this is. This is legitimately up in the air. And if and if somebody had nailed down that left guard spot, Ryan Day would right now be saying, listen, hey man, we didn't know what we were going to do at left guard. And I'll tell you what, that guy came in and slammed the door shut. We know who our best five are. That guy has worked his butt off. And you know what that would sound like. And like that's not what he's saying. So this is not, again, there's a yep. lot of stuff that I, I do think you still can be doing some things at this point in time for motivation for testing guys or whatever. Like if Nicholas petit is playing left tackle and Thayer Munford's playing left guard and whatever, it's like, that's not motivation. That's experimenting with, for a reason, because you might have to do it.
2: Yeah, I think they've said, you know, uh, as you alluded to with the quarterback competition, that Ohio State feels like it can't make a wrong decision. I don't think they were feeling that way about left guard. And I think that's why you're starting to see some changes made. All and right. Some experimentation, we should say.
0: Experimentation. And, and again, I was saying this like, you know, Brown's camp several years ago, it was like, they didn't know who the left tackle was and they've moved their all pro left guard to left tackle. Like he was a left tackle. And then like, whatever, 10 days before the season, they were like, no, he's not. And they moved him back to left guard. And it was like, okay. So sometimes we can talk a lot about like offensive line cohesion. And it's like, oh, it's great when the same guys play together for two years. And then sometimes they just move guys like five days before a game because they're like, nope. Because to your point, Nathan, in the end, the bottom line is you can't have a hole. So we'll move stuff around and patch as need be, because the number one goal is don't have a hole. And they clearly think that they might have to move some people around to make that happen on the offensive line. We'll do more of that on Wednesday. We don't mean to do that in an uneducated way, but it's like we're just going to talk about this for like an hour with all the people involved and with the offensive line coach. So we will have more on this on the Wednesday podcast. Quick break. We'll be back talking about seven banks what the Buckeyes need from him and what it would mean if he was not out there next on Buckeye talk. Back on Buckeye talk talking about seven banks and what, what was the word, Nathan? Did Brian, they said he tweaked something. It sounded like a minor thing, but he's been out of practice for a couple of days.
2: Yeah. I think anything that keeps potential or presumptive starters out of practice is not nothing especially a guy who missed a lot of the spring with an injury.
0: So let's not, let's talk in theory. There is no reason at the moment to think that this is a serious thing for seven banks, but you know, it's a minor setback again, for as, as Nathan mentioned for a guy who also missed time in the spring. So we had a discussion on a video today and then the video was too windy. We couldn't use it. So we'll have the discussion here. But by the way, if you guys aren't subscribed to our YouTube channel, I'd try that because that's where we're doing one day is when the wind doesn't screw us up, sort of like the instantaneous reactions to practice slash interviews that we just uh, we're just in a flow with the morning pods and to try to race up a pod and get it up at six o'clock in the evening and whatever. And we're trying to write what just not how we're doing it. But if you want to know like a five minute version of like the most pressing things, of course, you can read our stories at Cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk, or cleveland.com slash OSU. It's both either, they're slightly different, but not a huge difference yet. We'll let you know when we get slash Buckeye Talk exactly where we want to get it. Anyway, go there, read our stuff, but you can go to our YouTube channel. Just It's Ohio State Football and cleveland.com and search for that on YouTube and you'll find it. Get subscribed to that. And we have the instantaneous reactions there. We had a little debate about seven banks in that video. And then Nathan, very nicely, to the YouTube audience, teased a Baird theory about the secondary, which he said he would reveal on Buckeye Talk. But let's save that and let Stephen and I sort of disagreed on the idea of what would happen if, for instance, and it's only an if, no reason to think this, but how big of a deal would it be if like Seven Banks wasn't ready for the start of the season? Steven, what was your take on if seven banks would not be around? What it it mean for the Ohio State defense and cornerbacks?
1: Yeah, my whole argument is just it depends on what you think when you hear Kerry Combs say he's confident in the development of some of these second year guys and just the overall depth of the position. I understand that if. if seven banks cannot play football this year, especially these first two weeks of the season. That's a big hit. I'm not going to take away from that. That's the guy who is presumptively the best player in that cornerback room for them. But from a depth standpoint and who you can put out onto the field, I don't, I think they'll be fine. If you believe, if you are believing what Kerry Combs is saying, with the development and how far some of these guys have, have come from a development standpoint and also for the idea that they were going to rotate guys anyway, I think they'll be fine. Do you, do it, you believe it? So of course it depends. Like, do yeah. you believe it? You think he's like,
0: you think he feels good? Like, and do you believe in them? Like, are you ready? Cause what you're talking about, right. You're talking yeah. about uh, Ryan Watts, legend Cavazos, and it just feels like Cam Martinez is more in the slot. So mm-hmm. it feels like that's, that's primarily who you're talking about, unless you're talking about true freshmen no, 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 and no, no, Hancock no, no, no. Johnson and guys like that. It's no, primarily
1: Watson Cavazos. It's primarily Watson Cavazos. And then what I was able to see in a small choke from Cam Brown to I, and Jordan are great, but they got here a month and a half ago. That's just
0: what about Denzel Burke? What about Denzel Burke as a guy who's been here since the spring and is a name that Ryan day brought up today and said, he does not look like a freshman. I would imagine he's been getting some of those seven banks reps in practice the last couple of days, which is why people are saying he doesn't look like a freshman. He would factor in too, right?
1: Yeah, he would. He... But it's it, it's it's interesting uh, it, to something Kerry Combs said last year about it's not the same with outside corners who are freshmen as it is with defensive ends who are freshmen. You can just throw them out there in a passing down and say, "Go get the, the quarterback and let's see what happens." Yeah. You're out there on an island by yourself. Where if you mess up at the line of scrimmage, it's seven points, and so. I love what they've said about Denzel Burke. And what that means is next year, next spring, I should be looking and saying, should he be in the rotation? Maybe he can steal a job as a sophomore. But I am just far from a true freshman corner who is playing on the outside, especially, is going to have much of an impact because of what Kerry Combs said. Okay. So I said I think it would be a big deal that –
0: To me, and we could have this discussion here a little longer, and we're having it off the top of our head, and it's probably its own podcast. But if you said, name a player that you would not want Ohio State to be without against Minnesota and Oregon. So if you'd say, well, I think Zach Harrison's really good. It's like, well, okay, well, they have Tyreek Smith, and they'd probably just, like, all of a sudden play Jack Sawyer a lot more than planned, and and JTT and Javante John-Baptiste. And, you know, I I feel pretty good about the options behind Zach Harrison. Not that he's not good, but I feel better about the options. Haskell Garrett, same thing, right? They're going to rotate there anyway. Uncertainty, but also defensive tackles a little, it's not as as urgent as corner. Linebacker, are we sure anybody at linebacker is so much better than anybody else? Even Taraja Mitchell, who Ryan Day praised on Monday as being a leader, a vocal leader. You know, I I don't think if they weren't, if they didn't have to Roger Mitchell, who's never started for the first two weeks, I don't think it will blow a hole in the defense, right? Josh Proctor, right? Okay. Reliable. Yeah. It's like Bryson Shaw, Marcus Hooker, the two guys that, that Ryan Day mentioned as the next guys up there, like, okay, I'd be a little nervous about that if that's where you were going as frontline guys at safety. But seven banks clearly, to me, would be first up on the defense. Offensively, well, they have four tackles they're happy with. Right. I mean, is anybody on the on the interior offensive line so good that you're sure? I mean, Paris Johnson, OK, but like you're a, rook, a right guard who's never really played before running back. They got a bunch of dudes receiver as good as Chris Olave is. I think they just fly, they'd slide in Julian Fleming or Marvin Harrison Jr. and like try to roll Nathan. Like, I think if we did that exercise, I might put seven banks first. He might be my number one thing of like a guy I would not want to see them try to go without for the first two games. Now, if we're talking for the season, I wouldn't want to see him go without Olave for the whole year, right? Like I wouldn't want to see him go without Thayer Munford for the whole year, right? Of course. Like I'm not saying seven banks is the best player, but I think it's possible that that player at that position, there is the biggest gap between the certainty that he provides. Cause he's much more certain than Cam Brown. I mean, he played all last year. Cam Brown was hurt. Mm-hmm. He is by far the most certain thing at a very uncertain position. I think that's where the gap is the biggest. I think he would be first on my list, which is why I can't get to, I think they'll be fine if for whatever reason. And again, this is all an if theoretical discussion. We are not here to freak you out about seven Banks because we don't have enough information to tell you what it is. We're just telling you he's not been at practice the past couple of days. He Nathan, has not practiced. He has not practiced. He's yeah. around. An injury is preventing him from practic- practicing at the moment. Nathan, I'm not asking you necessarily to list your top three guys or whatever, but is how? what do you think about the idea of, of no seven banks if it came to that?
2: Yeah, I would. I mean, I, there's some other guys who I think you would put in the mix. I mean, specifically because it's Minnesota. And because they've already lost Tyler Friday, I could hear an argument where you would say Haskell Garrett or Zach Harrison would be the one you wouldn't want to miss because Minnesota's going to run the ball more. You want those guys up front. You're already down a guy. You don't want to be down more guys. Or I could hear an argument actually for Josh Proctor okay, because so, yeah. I, I am even more concerned about who's number two at safety than I am probably who's number two at cornerback in some ways. But your point is a valid one that you've got one guy who you think might be an upper echelon Big Ten cornerback. One guy on this roster right now who might be that.
0: What, one guy that. One guy that we are fairly certain has the ability to be that. Yes. Maybe Cam Brown could be that. Maybe Ryan Watts can be that. But Seven Banks has put some stuff down and to back up that idea.
2: Yes. For 2021 is the crucial thing. And who well, is ready to be that on day one of the 2021
0: season? And, but I don't want to say, like, I don't, I don't want to rule out the idea that Cam Brown could be an All-Big Ten player this year. But, man, I i can't – you can't bank on that for Minnesota and Oregon the way you would feel about Seven Banks and what he's done.
2: And I think it's just the security that it would give the whole defense to have him out there, a familiar guy who has who went through an entire year. I don't believe Seven missed any games last year. If I'm, mm-hmm. I believe he played yeah, all over the game. So, uh, you know, they don't have that many those guys on this defense that missed no games last year. So to have a guy and who started every game. So, I mean, led this team in pass breakups. He had almost twice as many pass breakups as anybody else. Like he's a good football player and there aren't enough proven good football players on this defense yet. So you're right. I mean, to, to be without him for week one. And again, we're a long way away from that, but I think it's worth having the exercise because I think it takes us to another conversation that I was alluding to before about what really is here
0: from a, from a talent standpoint in the secondary. So, let's do that. Because we all we've talked about it generally a lot and specifically sometimes, right? We know there's the recruiting dip in the secondary. It's coming now. Jordan Hancock's a highly rated guy. JK is, I'm getting JK get I'm Johnson. Saying. It's JK Johnson. JK Johnson is a highly rated guy, right? Denzel Burke is opening some eyes, but they are all true freshmen, that's hard. That's just hard. So, If if you're ready to play true freshman, okay, some of those guys have a pedigree, but the other guys we're talking about, the guys that normally would be ready to play. Nathan, what is your point about this?
2: So this struck me the other day, and I don't know what brought me here, but I, I started thinking in my head about the depth of this cornerback room and where those guys are from a perceived talent standpoint relative to where we were a year ago talking about the running back room. You had a situation last year where there was no Trevon Henderson in that room and there was no J.K. Dobbins in that room. It was all guys who were modest, modestly ranked recruits. Master Teague, Marcus Crowley, Steel Chambers, Mayan Williams, um, and then even Trey Sermon coming in over the top of all that. There were questions about what his level was. And I felt like the overriding conversation we kept having then was – this is maybe not the talent level Ohio State needs out of its running back room. That these that these guys are fine football players and they're good for a depth standpoint, but do they have frontline guys out of this group? And we would, you know, we, the same people. You know, Mayan Williams is a good example of that. Like people saying, like we, we didn't even think like, you couldn't get through a season with Mayan Williams and make the playoffs, right? You couldn't get through a season with steel Chambers or Marcus Crowley and make the playoffs we we'll go and look at where all these yeah. cornerbacks were ranked like there is no upper echelon cornerback from a rec- from a recruiting standpoint on this uh, among the people that we think are really in the mix to play I, I, i'll just this list of guys um, Burke Watts Cavazos Martinez Cam Brown and Marcus Williamson. i'm leaving out Lathan Ransom because he was technically listed as a safety back then and obviously the position he plays for house state Balances between them, but those six guys. Of those six guys, the highest ranked guy was Marcus Williamson at 182, and four of those guys are 200 or lower. Three of them are 300 or lower. Legend Gavazo's 352. Cam Martinez and Cam Brown, ironically being both cams or both 323 in their respective classes. So it, it's just, I think, a little bit we have for some reason assumed that something great is coming out of this cornerback room, and I don't think the recruiting. We we're And we're not expecting – we're not holding them to the same standard that we do at other positions, I think. I think if Ohio State right now had a bunch of guys at receiver who were ranked in the 190s max and down in the 300s, and that was your receiving core this year, I think we'd have a lot of really – we'd be talking about how concerned we are about this, and I feel like we're we've been a little maybe too quick, me as much as anybody, to put full confidence that some of these guys are going to be really good Big Ten players as soon as 2021.
1: For, for starters, the problem is that the guy who should make you feel fine because because if seven if seven base couldn't play is if Clark Phillips was here and hadn't you know you know flipped to Utah on signing day because but, because of Jeff Hoffee situation. But to your point, but real quick, of, but real quick, real
2: quick though, that was true of the running back room last year too, right? And it didn't prevent us from talking about that running back room in a very realistic way. I don't know if yeah. we really talked about this cornerback room in the same realistic way, but we may also be giving some of this is probably the Kerry Combs benefit of the the doubt too.
1: It's that, but then also there's a lot of guys that they've brought into this room over the first two years who weren't necessarily playing defensive back in high school, and they just kind of saw that in. Them. Like Cameron Martinez was a quarterback and a punt returner and everything else. His team needed Denzel Burke had never taken a snap as a corner until he got to Ohio State. Uh, Legend Cavazos first year playing corner at IM. He was playing safety most of the time at IMG, and then he you know, he practice corner his senior year to get ready for here but also he played at img where it's a bunch of elite athletes there and so it seemed like with this this 2020 class especially with the secondary there is a lot of i guess hidden gym types that when we're kind of talking about them all as if they're all going to hit that way they're all in the what 180 to 250 range and we're A lot of them, it feels like they might be able to outplay those rankings, get 350 range. And with some of these guys specifically, it feels like they might be able to outplay those rankings because of some of their natural gifts that maybe weren't being used at the high school level.
2: I mean, if Ohio State's offensive, and by the way, Seven Banks also, I didn't grab him, but he's somewhere down in the 200s too. If Ohio State's offensive line, potential starting offensive line right now was all guys ranked 182 or lower, We'd be having our hair would be everybody's hair would be
0: on fire. Well, I, so I like I don't disagree with your saying about where the cornerbacks rank. I think I disagree. I, I think we know this isn't good enough. Like, I, I don't know what the I don't know why. Like this. This is not how their secondary should be much better than this. Mm. But seven banks. So let's like go guy by guy. And, and at the moment, it's compared to last year that it's like, I think it can't be worse than last year. Right. When they had a really highly rated guy who like didn't play that well. And Sean Wade, like he was fine, but he didn't play like a top 50 national like a guy who was a number two corner
1: in the country. And the only guy rated higher than him was a third pick in the NFL draft. Yeah, he just he just did. So, okay, so seven banks is your number one corner.
0: He's not as good as a normal number one corner at Ohio State. We've had that. We know that he's not Marshawn Lattimore or Jeff Okuda or Denzel Ward. But he might be on the Olave path of like, he's a guy like in the 200 to 300, who's kind of played better than his ranking. And he's been around and he's shown you enough so that you think he's good. Like he's been a good big 10 football player. Cam Brown, Cam Brown I is a guy, yes, who was a lower rated guy who has not played much. And in a world where Denzel Ward, Gary on Conley and Marshawn Lattimore were here, like would probably not be on the field. So I agree with that. And then in the slot, it's like, well, I don't think Marcus Williamson is good enough. And that might be wrong. And I don't I keep trying to not be overly critical of Marcus Williamson because he played a bunch last year. But I think if if that's your answer, it's not probably good enough. And the reason that I'm encouraged is because a Lathan Ransom, who is a safety who's playing slot corner, cover safety, whatever who is a higher ranked guy, right? He's like in the 120s or something, right? Like he's a higher ranked guy who fl- I think I, there's a reason to believe in him. And then Cam Martinez Ransom
2: was 167.
0: Okay. So he's like the higher, higher ranked than anybody else we're talking about. Yeah. And then I think Cam Martinez potentially is a throw out the recruiting ranking guy, which I don't want to pick and choose and just be like, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a stars matters guy until there's a guy who, no, but that's fair. He that's fair was fair for him. Yeah. He's making a transition. He's a really good football player and a really good athlete. And you just kind of had to figure him out. And I think Ohio state has figured out what they want to do. So I think it's possible that ransom and Martinez might really be a legitimate, like Ohio state standard of an answer at slot corner. I don't think the outside corners are good enough, which is why again, on the national podcast, we said they have the worst defense of any of any national title contender. And if they had Jeff Okuda, like, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that. Or if they had Jaheim Singletary, who's now not here, but even like the guys who were coming, right? Like, uh, Singletary decommitted, but Ryan Turner and everybody else, Stephen, like, they have some more guys coming. Mm-hmm. Jordan Hancock's going to be a fix. Jordan Hancock is going to help fix this. J.K. Johnson is going to help fix this. We just can't expect him to do it this year. But mostly, Nathan, I think the point is we think they'll be better than last year. But I still don't think that is up to the Ohio State standard. So if we need to raise yeah. the temperature on our level of this isn't good enough, I'm 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 here for that. But but yeah. I, I hope we haven't been conveying any idea that we think no. it's good enough. No no no, I don't think it's that we think it's
2: good enough. But I think it's worth maybe putting it out there that um, that to temper expectations a little bit that just because somebody beats out um, Marcus Williamson. Doesn't mean at, you're, you're jumping from a, a grade level or whatever at that position. You know what I mean? Or that if someone emerges and takes some snaps from Cam Brown, I still don't know that that's the 2021 solution to making this a really strong defense again. I think that's maybe just the way we should. I don't, not that we were, again, not that we were saying that if, uh, you know, if Ryan Watts starts this year, then that's the, you know, he's going <laughs> to turn this thing around. I don't think we've gone that far. But I think it's just worth reminding people that we're still dealing with a a level of talent here that if it were happening at any other position, we would be talking about the ceiling that's on that. Maybe that's maybe that's a different way of saying that.
1: This also- is- Go ahead, Stephen. What's going to help with this is, yeah, we all know this is not good enough from a, a number standpoint. What might help with this, though, is that we all expect this defensive line to be better and to get home a little bit more often. that can take some of the ease off of that. Last year was that combination of both not getting home, also having a secondary that lacked in a level of talent that it needed to have.
2: But I this, think the real way to say that is that it has to get home more this year because the talent level isn't jumping in the secondary.
0: This is the last year of the dip because next year. Jordan Hancock's going to be an answer and JK Johnson are going to be answers next year. Cam Martinez is going to be an answer next year, right? Like it's a third year guy who's making the position switch. Like this is the last year of it, but let us not, let's make sure we don't pretend that this is not still in, you're still in that. Like you can see the blue skies, you can see them off in the distance, but this is still, you're in some storm clouds, right? Like you can see the storm is almost past, but it's still raining on you in the secondary. So Yeah worth saying, but again, also, and again, and I have a lot of trouble with this on the playoff show there, there. And I have trouble remembering what I said on the playoff show and what I said here. Did I say the thing on here about like the further you get away from recruiting? It's like, Your first year, it's kind of like 100%, 80%, right? So, like, I do think that makes sense, and I don't want to, like, be criticizing seven banks as a fourth-year player because his recruiting ranking wasn't high enough. Like, he's good. Nathan, I think they are one guy away from being fine at corner. It's just that the one guy is Marshawn Lattimore. Because if you had Marshawn yep. Lattimore and all of a sudden Seven Banks is your second best outside corner, and all of a sudden Cam Brown is like a rotational or best backup corner, and all of a sudden, or Cam Brown can help out in the slot. And now you're saying that between Cam Brown, Lathan Ransom, Marcus Williamson, Cam Martinez, you have an answer there, whatever. Ryan Watson, Legend Cavazos, you're not going to need them, but they're there for depth. Like you just knock everybody down a peg. They are missing. The first round corner. Now, seven banks go prove us wrong, go be a first round corner. But they are missing that obvious guy. And I think that the result is that everybody in the cornerback room is one step higher than they should be. Seven mm-hmm. banks should be your second best corner. Cam Brown should be your third best corner. Ryan Watson, Legends Cabazos should be backups who are probably not yet going to play, but are good depth if you need them, but you're not going to need them. And instead, everybody is one step higher. And that Leads to questions and some pressure, I think.
2: And I think there's probably people listening to this podcast right now are, are saying, like, oh, cornerbacks who are ranked in like the 200s or lower when they were prospects. You mean like Denzel Ward? You mean like Damon Arnett, guys who were, you know, first round NFL oh, draft picks? Sure. Fair mm-hmm. point to make. So it's just how many of those hit in one year and do any of them hit in one year? Because those are guys that are sort of the exceptions that prove the rules to guys who are ranked in 200, I'm not saying I'm not predicting devastation. I just wanted to bring this perspective back. Cause I don't know. We, I think for, some, for whatever reason we have at times, Jumped over the the rating that these guys come in with, and I'm you know how I am as far as the sketchiness sometimes of the ratings. But we jump over that conversation. It felt like we had jumped over that conversation a little bit with these cornerbacks in a way that we haven't at other positions when we talk about the guys who might emerge at those positions.
0: Well, and I think one of the reasons is because it's been fixed. It's just not an instantaneous fix because the reason it's not necessarily with these guys. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. But like most of the time when we talk about that stuff, it's like we feel like a coach at a position had a recruiting failure and the coach is still here. Right. We talked right. about it a lot with running back because Tony Alford whiffed in the class and it was like there was a direct effect on the team and Tony Alford's still here. And it's like, man, is he going to get this figured out? And of course he did. I mean, first of all, he helped get Trey Sermon here and Trey Sermon was a heck of a late season patch last year. And then he got Trayvon Henderson and Evan Pryor. But like we know the recruiting at cornerback wasn't good enough for a while. Well, that was while Kerry Combs wasn't here. Now he's here again. Now the recruiting is better again, although losing Jaheim Singletary hurt. But right. So the ant it's been answered. It's just, there's a lag, right? It's so this, they're still caught in the lag, but it is a, it is a point worth making if you felt like we had not made that clear before because I don't, it is not an instantaneous snap your fingers. The defense is fixed. The best part of the defense last year was the linebackers. They lost all the linebackers. None of the linebackers have played. We're assuming Zach Harrison's going to look like Chase Young Jr., Mm -hmm. except he hasn't so far in his career. He's been good. He has not been great. Haskell Garrett, we think, can replicate an All-American season that felt like was kind of surprising when it happened, but we don't know how much of that was because, Tommy Togiai was next to him, tying up blockers and all that kind of stuff. And then the secondary is a Marshawn Lattimore short. So, yeah, absolutely. Like this offense is going to have to get this team where it wants to go. And will the defense be good enough? I think it's a point worth making. All right. There's there's a little more that came out of it. We'll have like Nathan, you already put up the Ryan Day kind of quick hits. So that was up Monday afternoon. Some of the most important stuff. If we didn't cover every single thing here, um, but I just feel
2: our YouTube channel for I'm putting up video clips from day two so people can see it directly themselves.
0: Okay, and you can listen to that. So and watch that. So um, you know what I don't like? Some podcasts run like the raw audio of like here. Here's a. And and by the way, here's a 20 minute interview. It's like, I don't want to listen to a 20 minute interview. I want someone who was there to synthesize it for me and tell me the most important stuff. I don't want to. So if you want to go watch the raw 20 minute interview, good. But like, we're here to tell you like, what are the most important things and what does it mean? So I don't, I don't, the, the fascination, the fascination with raw press conferences in the modern era is so strange to me. Because press conferences exist as an information gathering tool. I think we may have had this conversation already. I still am dumbfounded by it.
1: They're kind of boring uh, if you don't do it for a living.
0: Yeah, we're there because you don't want to be. Yeah. You don't want to be there for 31 minutes talking to somebody in search of a good two-minute thing. Like, why? why uh, like that you're every- not going to get. Because
1: usually the best quotes... And just sports writing in general don't typically come from a press conference. They come from you sat down with a guy one-on-one or you were with him in the locker room. Very rarely are you going to get something that juicy from a podium.
2: Well, and like I'll watch a press conference if there's like a controversy or somebody has to address something of significance. But I'm not going to watch a random Chris Holtman press conference.
0: All right, I don't cover the basketball team. I'm not going to watch that. Who would watch that? Right. Steven will take care of it and then tell us what we need to know right yeah that's right yeah. if it's a, if it's a news conference because there's news as opposed to like this person is forced to talk on this day every week yeah. it's like I, I i that is not con- content to me no. but i i mean i'm mostly talking about like NBA finals news conferences after game two.
1: Unnecessary. You
0: know, it's like I just th- that kind of thing is just like I don't know why that's on TV because I don't think it's that interesting because you can catch when there's the one interesting quote, then somebody will synthesize it and recycle it back anyway. But again, I mean, it's just some if you if you love your team and you want every sort of bit of context about your team, maybe you want to watch it live, but there's a lot of sausage making going on, man. Um, but But today okay, was good. It. Like if you. Yeah. If, I mean, if you watched on Monday, if you watched Ryan Day on Monday, I thought—I mean, I thought almost every question was interesting and got an answer that related to what type of football team Ohio State will be, which is my favorite kind of press conference. And we just ha- there's been too many um, questions. Well, there's just been too and too much COVID stuff and too much, yeah, too much COVID and NIL. And I understand like that's important, but it's like, we end up asking people who just like don't have any control over something, what their opinion is. And after a while, I get tired of asking people's opinions on subjects that they're not supposed to be an expert on. And I would just rather talk to them and get information. Like, I don't want your opinion about anything else right now. I want information about the thing that you're in charge of. So that was why today on Monday, that's why Monday was good. It was an informational press conference, not an opinion press conference. Because you know what? You know who has opinions? Me. You know who has no information? Me. So I want information. Nathan, go ahead.
2: I just want people who do go listen, if they watch on uh, Cleveland. What is it? Ohio State Football on Cleveland.com, our YouTube channel. When you hear a question in a French-Canadian accent, from the reporter from Quebec, that actually is a reporter from Quebec that is not just Doug doing,
0: yeah, 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 Jerry. Blue,
2: I would like blue pennant,
0: something like that. Blue pennant, blue pennant from San
1: Francisco, I think. <laughs>
0: He was like, it was like, it really was like Jerry was doing a bit with me. It's like Ryan Doug is doing the press conference in character for some reason. He would like to say that he's from Quebec, but that guy asked a question that I'm going to use an answer to because I still have stuff from big 10 media days about talking to Penn state and Michigan and trying to figure out what of last year was real and not real for the two teams that are supposed to be Ohio state's biggest challengers in this division. And Ryan and he asked him about that. He asked him a question about like, how do you sort of take last year into account for people who are challenging you in the Big Ten? And Ryan Day was kind of like, man, I almost like last year almost doesn't count. Sometimes you watch watch their film or whatever, and it's just like guys are missing so many people. But like, I don't really, I'm not judging anybody based on last year, which is a valuable answer. So thanks to that guy for asking it. But he does have a French accent, and I'm he's from Quebec, which is where my people are from. So. I actually would make more sense for me to do that accent than finish, which is just where I went to a pizza hut. All right. I think we're going to do driving the bus. Are you guys good for driving the bus on Wednesday?
1: Yeah.
0: I think it's time to drive. Have you guys, have either of you guys ever driven a bus? No.
1: I don't think I've
0: ridden on a few. I don't think I've
2: been on a bus in a while, though. I've driven a U-Haul. That's the closest step. Yeah, I've driven a a U-Haul.
0: All right. On Wednesday, we will talk about the largest vehicles that we've ever driven. I think and also it. we will we will yeah, send this out. Expound on that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. I'll cut that out because we don't we don't want to give that away. Have Steven and Nathan ever driven a U-Haul. Find out on the Wednesday podcast. So we'll send that out to the tech subscribers. Who are they driving the bus for? The guy, the, the Ohio State player that like they believe in more than most people do. Steven, Nathan, and I will each come up with some, excuse me, with one person, and then we'll read a lot of Other text answers about that. And then also on the Wednesday pod, we again will be coming off interviews with the offensive line. So I think we'll spend a decent amount of time talking about what more we learned about how this offensive line might look this season. This is not a daily news podcast. We do not only want to be beholden to every podcast is this is what people said in interviews today. But one news matters that inf- impacts the team. We'll certainly talk about it on Buckeye Talk. Make sure you're reading clean.com slash OSU. Again, the text, just people are loving it. I, I just, I, w- I wouldn't lie to you. Uh, I wouldn't lie to you that, I, I mean, and people unsubscribe, people do. We can see everything. We can see how many new subscriptions, how many people have unsubscribed. It's not for everybody. I think sometimes people think maybe we text too much. Sometimes I, I, we don't know what the perfect balance is. We want to give you the stuff we think you really care about. We want to have some fun too. I think maybe people sometimes feel like, oh, you know, I can get that on tweets or whatever. And it's like, I get it. Other people tweet stuff, but like, you don't have to go looking for it. Plus you get our spin on it. Plus we do other fun stuff. Um, so I get it. It, it. And it's not for everybody. And it's not nothing. It's four bucks a month. I don't want to act like it's nothing. I mean, everybody has to, I was just doing my budget the other day. I, I, I unsubscribed to some stuff. I did. I went through and I was like, I, I want to support this, but like, I have too many things right now and I've got to unsubscribe. Uh, to some stuff that I like, but it's not at the top of the list. So I get it. I'm not going to pretend that every single person who signed up has never left. But most of the feedback we get is good. And if you've never tried it, it's hard to explain it still. So just try it for two weeks and see what you think. And this is a good time to try it. This is a really good time to try it. You'll get a real feel for it. 614-350-3315. Thanks to you guys, as always, for listening. For Nathan and Stephen, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk.